He konai purangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Kia ora and welcome to Insight. I'm Philippa Tolley. Banks, we don't often love them, but we can't live without them. And for most New Zealanders, that means saving or borrowing from an Australian bank. Almost everyone banks with one of the so-called Big Four. And not only are they owned offshore, they're doing so well that New Zealand is the second most profitable banking market in the world. But is that anything to worry about? Guy Espiner has been trying to find out. So Guy, is the scale of their profits creating a risk of a crash? Kia ora, Philippa. Well, the Reserve Bank Governor definitely thinks these banks are making too much money, uh, but it's more how they're doing this that he's worried about. He says they're not putting enough of their own money in, they're relying too much on borrowed money, and that that's creating too much risk. So he's demanding they hold more cash in New Zealand. So is anyone fretting about this? Could it affect us when we want to borrow money? Well, the, the Aussie banks are fretting about it. They say it will lead to higher interest rates for us and, of course, less profit for them. But it's it's not only them. There are a number of experts who think these plans are too radical. They also worry about the governor's style, his rhetoric, and say that could be a risk in itself. Now, I spent an hour interviewing Adrian Orr, and it is one of the first things that you notice. His language is colourful and sometimes blunt. I think we're the second most profitable banking system in the world uh, at present, uh, and so the big four are, are doing extremely well out of New Zealand. I think they're making excess return. The big four, ANZ, BNZ, ASB and Westpac, are all Australian-owned. Together they make more than $100 million in profit every week. They have close to 90% of the New Zealand banking market, but now they face a fierce new challenge, the Reserve Bank Governor, Adrian Orr. The banking system is so dominant in the, in the total New Zealand financial system. Banks, are, uh, and particularly the big four, um, absolutely dominate all of the financial services. So in the, in the analogy of Tane Mahuta that we use, the banks are the big branches on, on the trunk of Tane, and um, we've got four very big branches, uh, leaves which are uh, putting a lot of um, uh, darkening across the broader financial garden, and it's, uh, it's not as competitive as it should be. 18 months into one of the most powerful jobs in the country, Adrian Orr admits he's not your typical central bank governor. He uses Māori mythology to explain the story of the Reserve Bank and speaks plainly about reining in the Aussie banks. He wants them to rely less on borrowed money to hold more of their own capital in order to make the financial system safer. What we're saying is, well, let's reduce the probability of them failing... Uh, and that means having more of their own skin in the game, more capital in the banking system so that they are more awake at the wheel, more concerned about what they're actually investing in, more long-term focused and lower probability of actually failing. But the tough-talking governor is too radical for some. Maybe, you know, buy into this idea of celebrity culture, uh, to have us all discussing uh, the Reserve Bank uh, as, as we are now. Usually the conservative central bank governor like sort of Alan Bollard or Graham Wheeler almost tried to avoid uh, controversy. You know, it's a, an institution which is meant to be quietly humming along 
um, without attracting great controversy. Um, but there seems to be a newfound zeal to uh, say things that frighten people, to get in the news, um, that shock the markets. Robert McCulloch is a professor of macroeconomics at Auckland University. He's highly critical of Adrian Orr's style and of the capacity of the Reserve Bank to assess the financial risks in the banking sector. A sheer lack of uh, uh, raw intellectual firepower in the Reserve Bank, sheer quality. There's been an exodus of top talent. The, the board of the Reserve Bank are not up to it. Um, the senior leadership team are not up to it. They do not have sufficiently talented people uh, involved uh, in, in the management of the organisation at the highest level. He says the central bank's plan to force banks to hold more capital is unnecessary and damaging. The history is not a, a banking system which has appeared to uh, be uh, extremely fragile or fell over in 2008, uh, qu quite the opposite. So why go down this road of a rhetoric that, you know, scaring not just New Zealanders but international investors scaring the world that, gosh, maybe New Zealand's banking system is more fragile than we ever, ever realised. There needs, needs to be a dramatic increase in these capital ratios to a level higher than in most other OECD countries in, in the world. What um, is going to be the impact of this style, do you think? I think it will shake confidence in the New Zealand economy um, by domestic uh, investors and consumers and shake uh, confidence in the New Zealand economy by overseas um, investors as well. And at that level, I think it's very serious uh, what, what the Reserve Bank's been doing. What the Reserve Bank is doing is effectively buying insurance. They want the banks to hold enough money to withstand a one in 200 year financial shock. The question is, what is the cost of the premium and who pays? Just off the main street of Tiawamutu, in a small and stylish office, I meet dairy farmer Mike O'Connor from Spectrum Farms. The Spectrum Group has six Canterbury dairy farms and three in the Waikato. Watching the company's high production promotional video, you can see this is no small family farming operation, although it started that way. My family's farm and we administer it and look after it and um, my mother still survives and my ambition is that it doesn't ever have to be sold. I'm the eldest of six children. A visit to the farm is on the agenda for later in the day but we're here to talk about banks and how their appetite for lending to farmers has changed. Some of the messaging coming through was um, a little different than it had been and you felt a wee bit threatened. Until recently, banks would let farmers with good credit history borrow the entire amount to buy a new farm and then accept interest-only payments. At times in our history, it was almost immoral how they were <laughs> able to uh, um, throw money at ag, and many people partook in that. Not everyone succeeded through it. There's been the odd failure. Now banks fear they could be overexposed in dairy and are tightening terms and wanting principal paid back. The fear is that because banks see rural lending as riskier now, they might ration credit if the Reserve Bank forces them to hold more capital against their lending. The accounting firm KPMG is warning that the Reserve Bank's plans 
will result in a crash in the farmland property market. And see banks reduce agricultural lending by 15 to 25 percent or 10 to 15 billion dollars. Mike O'Connor isn't so worried for himself but thinks farmers who are over leveraged could get caught out. All of a sudden, because I know how banks can react, they can, you know, they can make it difficult. I mean, there has been time in our past where, you know, we've been suggested that maybe we should have some assets on the market. The O'Connors are one of three families who own the Spectrum Group, and it isn't for sale. All of the dairies are there to produce milk in the cheapest way we can, and the most of it, and at the, at, you know, at the best quality that we can, and all those things. So you know, we, we we're quite clear about what our, you know, why we're here. Yeah. We'll jump back into the ute with Mike later as he tries to convert me to dairy farming. You fit in here, eh? You'd love it. I think this is me, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 got a, got a milking apron for you? You'll we'll be away. What would you start me on? Oh, I'll throw you in the deep end, man. Get your milking some cows. Yeah. See if we could get a carving or two organised for you. <laughs> Nothing like, uh, you know, getting your arm up the beam end and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but first, back to my comfort zone in the city, where we try to find out what makes a bank tick through the eyes of the frontline bank workers. I'm Guy Espiner and you're with RNZ Insight as we look at efforts to rein in the big four Australian-owned banks. And does the culture at your branch or, or call centre or wherever you are create an environment where you can focus on customer needs without fear or reprisal? More than 100 bank workers have bussed into this lunchtime meeting with First Union to talk about the aggressive sales culture at the big commercial banks. So what I'm going to be asking people to do is actually break into groups and discuss the answers to these questions. I've sat in on two other sessions with about 200 other bank workers. This time I've got consent to record. It's really important that he hears from you guys as workers. That's what the public want to know. They want to know from you guys what's happening. Important because the banks claim they have ditched the aggressive sales culture, forcing frontline workers to upsell products to customers that they don't really need. The Reserve Bank and the Financial Markets Authority told them to do this after a critical review into conduct and culture. But staff here say while the names of the sales strategies may have changed, the nature of them hasn't. I think they're relying on weaker people to not stand up. Like, I can say to anyone, no, we're not doing it anymore. But I feel like in the branch, you don't get that opportunity at all. So the branch, too much sales pressure, for sure. So despite them saying that they had given away these sales targets, you guys are effectively telling me they've done it with another name. 100%. It has not changed. It has not changed. The animal spirits of a bank always want to lend more money. Sam Stubbs has worked for Hanover and for investment firms Fay Richwhite and Goldman Sachs. He knows about the animal spirits of a bank. If you let that go crazy, if you let bankers they'd borrow as much as they possibly could and lend as much as they possibly could, because if it all went wrong, we all know what happens, right? The government bails you out because the whole system shuts down. Banking is so vital to our lives. Sam Stubbs is a poacher-turned-gamekeeper. Now he runs Simplicity, a not-for-profit KiwiSaver provider. He sees the Reserve Bank Governor Adrian Orr 
is something of a lion tamer. I'm here to rein in your animal spirits, and this is how I'm going to do it. I want you to take that dollar that you've borrowed from somebody, and I want you to leave some as a rainy day fund, just in case things go wrong. He's describing there the key plank in the Reserve Bank's plan that the Australian-owned banks have reacted so violently against, to the extent the ANZ has threatened to downsize its operations in New Zealand. I'll make a personal bet with the chief executive of the ANZ. You name the money, you're not pulling out of New Zealand. It's a very lucrative market. Lucrative and highly leveraged. I love the idea of walking into a bank and asking for a loan. If I said, look, I've got seven cents on the dollar, I've got you know, only 7% equity, um, can I have a loan? A bank would laugh you out the door. Yet that's what banks have. The Reserve Bank Governor, Adrian Orr, says the average bank in New Zealand gets about 93% of its money by borrowing it. Sometimes it's even more highly leveraged than that because it sees housing as lower risk for residential mortgage lending. ANZ holds just $3 capital for every $100 it lends out. Housing ends up being the most highly leveraged part of the bank's balance sheet. Does that worry you that they can lend 100 bucks to residential loan mortgages with just holding three? Yes, yes it does. I mean, you have to say, well, does that make sense first and foremost? Does it distort the access to capital for, for people? Is it sufficient capital for the, for the risk of the asset? Uh, and at times you have seen housing crises, uh, you know, house price crises globally lead to bank crises. So you're saying right now it's too risky. I want you to have more skin in the game. I want you to hold more capital against your exposures. That's exactly right. Under the Reserve Bank's plan, all banks would be forced to hold more money in New Zealand. And for the big four Aussie banks, the minimum level will nearly double to 16%. Now, think about that. 16 cents in a dollar still means that for every dollar you borrow, you stick 16 cents in the rainy day fund, you get to lend out the other 84 cents, right? You still get to, you know, make a lot of money. And these banks have admitted that they'll still make about 11% return on their shareholders' funds. And in a world where you can only get 1.5% in the bank now or 2% in the bank, getting 11% return from investing in the bank is still a fabulous return. Currently, the big four make about 15% return on equity. The four banks are by far the four most profitable companies in New Zealand, by far. And, and I think the last time I did it, the top four were making more than the next 30 companies combined. And we're talking about Spark, Fonterra, Air New Zealand, huge companies. And so you have this dilemma where they should be allowed to make a certain amount, but not too much, and they're clearly making too much. Too much money for some, but does too much profit mean too much risk? Back in 2007, sitting at the Reserve Bank, we were really quite worried. Michael Riddell spent nearly three decades with the Reserve Bank, including heading the financial markets team, which, among other things, analyses the risk of financial systems. That meant doing stress tests to see how robust the system was. You know, some of us, like me, who were sceptical at the time, would push back and say, look, things can't be this good. The risks have to be greater. And the staff who were involved in doing it would sort of 
patiently answer the questions and come back, I was eventually convinced. Um, what the evidence shows for New Zealand is that you know we could have the unemployment rate go to 13%, uh, we could have house prices fall by 50%, and still it's highly un- un- unlikely that with current minimum capital ratios that any bank's viability would be severely impaired. Michael Riddell says not only are increased capital requirements unnecessary, they will hurt the economy, especially in agriculture. The dairy sector is in quite some difficulty anyway, independent of what's going on in the banking sector. But what this will do um, is to add another straw to the bonfire, if you like, of difficulties that are facing um, the rural sector. Uh, I'm pretty confident that we will see the Australian banks pull back. There'll be more readiness to um, precipitate some mortgagee sales in the next few years. Um, There'll be greater reluctance to uh, provide new credit to new entrants. It does work in the direction that asset values in that sector are likely to fall. But Adrian Orr says the banks have done this to themselves. Debt in agriculture has gone from 40 to 65 billion in 10 years because the banks have been reckless with lending. He's asking them to hold more capital to stop them doing this. Banks are already pulling back on lending to agriculture and small to medium-sized enterprises, making it harder and harder because there are certain pockets of extreme debt in the agricultural sector that they themselves, the banks, have fed and promoted. So this is a fig leaf for them realising that they have got overexposure in some of these... Uh, Some banks have used it as a fig leaf, saying... This is Armageddon, Um, you better rally on the streets, uh, drive a tractor up the steps of Parliament, um, so on and so forth. Federated farmers have got themselves exercised around it all. Um, But, you know, stop, breathe through the nose, out through the mouth and think about how did we get here? Back in the ute, we've arrived at one of Mike O'Connor's Waikato farms. So this is uh, one of the farms owned by Spectrum. Pretty nice property, 200... 27 He's proud not only of his business but his efforts to preserve the environment and sees himself as a custodian of the land. He's hurt that many don't see it that way. I don't see any reason for dairy farmers or any farmers to want the public to pat them on the back. I don't think they're looking for anything like that. However, I think they feel quite isolated at the moment. And um, if we were uh, today in Auckland and walking down the street and, and um, you happened to ask me what I did, I mean, I, would volu- I wouldn't lie, but I won't volunteer it if, if I wasn't asked. Do you think that that attitude is impacting on the attitude of, of the banks as well? Is there a flow-on effect there? Oh, well, it can't help but, really, you know. I, I mean, everyone, you know, you're sort of swayed, aren't you, by, um, by sort of public opinion. And, and every time you read the media, it's something else about, you know, let's, let's beat Fonterra up again or let's also make sure that we haven't forgotten that we're buggering up the environment as quick as we can. Things like that. So I guess, I mean, they're only human. Michael Riddell says it's not just farming that will be hurt by the Reserve Bank's plan to get banks to hold more capital, but any small business deemed a higher risk than housing. 
banks will pull back on the availability of credit, on the Reserve Bank's own numbers, interest rates will rise to some extent. Um, we're going into a period where it looks as if the world economy and the New Zealand economy is quite a bit weaker. It's certainly an environment where the Reserve Bank doesn't have much leeway left to change the OCR. So it's just another one of those things that says, is this really something that's wise to be pursuing in one leap at this stage? Cameron Bagri, a former economist at the BNZ, supports the thrust of the move, but warns it's not cost-free. In spirit, I think the Reserve Bank is right in regard to what they're trying to do, but there is a cost to this. Yeah, When you write out the insurance policy, is not a free insurance policy. What we're going through at the moment, we're having that debate to try and to assess yeah, how much we're prepared to pay to shore up the system versus what the costs are to borrowers and shareholders on the other side. The shareholders of the Big Four are, of course, the Australian parent banks. They refuse to comment, leaving interviews to their lobby group, the New Zealand Bankers Association. The former head of the Treasury, Graham Scott, wrote the Bankers Association submission on the Reserve Bank proposal. He says requiring banks to hold 16% capital will cost the economy about $1.8 billion a year and could lead banks to pull money out of the country. If the 16% happens and they and the shareholders don't want to put in more money, they've got to shrink their business. But that's not a stable place to sit. Those big banks will have um, an expected rate of return on their investment and all their activities around around the world. And if the New Zealand uh, subsidiary is not producing that rate of return, then they'll disinvest in it over time one way or another. He admits the Aussie banks make more money in New Zealand than banks in the UK or America, but says this is because they stood up so well in the global financial crisis. I mean, what happened was that Australia and New Zealand were sitting in the pack there until the global financial crisis came along. The countries in the world that had the crisis experienced the worst of it. The returns on their banking investments collapsed. Adrian Orr is tired of hearing that the big four saved us from the financial crisis. I keep hearing this analogy, oh, the Aussie banks sailed through, we're safe. And that's just wrong. You know, they didn't sail through. They were last cab off the rank. They were 100% government guaranteed. New Zealand had about $140 billion underwrite for the banks, so we had to step in and have that underwrite. The Reserve Bank uh, bought $8 billion of uh, assets off the banks themselves to provide liquidity overnight, almost blindfolded, having to do it because of the crisis. $10 billion of wholesale um, guarantees for their, for their borrowing offshore, and they cut interest rates by 575 basis points. And then the banks say, we sailed through. Well, they sailed through because everyone else was paddling like mad. Adrian Orr says those who want to cling on to those returns are bank executives driven to hold on to their bonuses. They're saying, well, well, no, we're here to defend the, the shareholders' returns, uh, uh, which, you know, is right, but they are probably defending them over a shorter-term horizon than actually matters. They're defending them over their, their own incentive structures, their own short-term bonus structures, and that's not sustainable. And to the suggestion that the ANZ could pull back from New Zealand, Adrian Orr's response is, well... Fill your boots. 
if you're uncomfortable only making still a double-digit return in your profits and you think you can find that elsewhere for the same level of risk, knock yourselves out. You know, that's, that's called a competitive market, competitive environment, um, but don't expect us to keep falsely subsidising businesses or picking up some of the messes that, that are created through, through excess um, financial delivery. How are we falsely subsidising business? This concept of too big to fail means that I can, as the agent, not not the owner of the capital, I can keep pushing, 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 to maximise the return. And if it fails, well, well, you know that's bad. But I'm out. I've made my money. I'm gone. Meanwhile, society can pick it up. Society too quickly forgets the cost of financial crisis, and the costs are huge. The costs aren't just the financial. Uh, price of rebuilding the bank, you have lost often a generation of employment opportunities, you have mental health issues, you have societal exclusion. Um, you know, you look at some of the challenges going on around the world globally at the moment, a lot of it is the tail end of the global financial crisis. After the financial crisis, the big four Aussie banks got another advantage being allowed to set their own risk models. Adrian Orr says that has given the big four a competitive advantage over the smaller banks. With the advanced banks, it means they're saying we are far more clever, we are far smarter at lending, we've got better systems frameworks, we can hold less capital than the smaller banks who just use standardised models. So that has given them a competitive advantage on the returns. He says those advanced models saw New Zealand's largest bank run into trouble with farm debt. The ANZ Bank, for example, had something close to, well, slightly over half the capital, their capital allocated to farming, than other banks had because they, their models were saying, we're smarter, we're better, we understand the risks more. Gee, guess what? They're now saying perhaps that was too risky and we better write to the farm saying uh, we're, we're readjusting our thoughts on these risk frameworks and risk models. But Adrian Orr's efforts to rein in the Aussie banks don't stop there. He's considering whether directors should be able to sit on both the New Zealand Bank Board and the board of the Australian parent bank, as former Prime Minister John Key does at the ANZ and Doug Mackay does at the BNZ. The risks are, for example, uh, if the Australian parent is getting into trouble and you're sitting on the Australian board and the New Zealand board and the Australian board says we need to bring capital back home from New Zealand to, to bolster the Australian side, what does the, what is the New Zealand director who's sitting on that board say? No, that couldn't be possible, you're endangering my other board? Or yes, that makes sense because I'm sitting on this board. Are you comfortable with people sitting on both boards? Uh, no. Uh, and I just say no. I like to remain uncomfortable all the time because that's a much better healthy scepticism to be there. At the moment, it's allowed, but we are th- thinking hard about does that make sense? So you are actively considering moves that would prevent people sitting on both boards? It's on our long list of things we need to consider. It's a list that leaves former Reserve Bank senior staffer Michael Riddell wondering whether his old employer has it in for the Aussies. I think there's also a bit of a strand of an anti-Australianism that pervades some of the Reserve Bank's rhetoric. I doubt it's the main factor there. Um, But it's sort of playing into that sort of political mood that says, well, we can put this additional burden um, on the Australian banks and it really doesn't matter. 
It doesn't matter to farmer Mike O'Connor who owns the banks, as long as they are in a partnership with farmers for the long haul. I don't think we've had any indication that, um, you know, that they're, they're pulling the rug out or anything like that. And the KPMG report suggesting the banks might withdraw 10 to 15 billion of lending? KPMG was given, I guess, uh, you know, a job to do and they've come up with an opinion. Now whether it's right, wrong or indifferent, probably neither worries them or me. It's a bit like lawyers, I suppose, isn't it? You can kind of um, get the opinion you pay for. Really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's wrong. That Insight program was written by Guy and Espiner. If you'd like to podcast other Insight programs, you can head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Insight page on the RNZ website, or wherever you get your podcasts. Next week, Insight will be live between 8 and 9, and I'll bring you all the latest results from the local government elections. I'm Philippa Tolley, and that's all from Insight for today. Great to have you with us, and do join me again next time.